in chapter 1, verse 1. Judas, servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to those who are called, beloved in God the Father, and kept for Jesus Christ. May mercy, peace, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. For certain people have crept in unnoticed who long ago were designated for this condemnation, ungodly people who pervert the grace of our God into sensuality and deny our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. Now I want to remind you, although you once fully knew it, that Jesus, who saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed those who did not believe. And the angels who did not stay within their own position of authority, but left their proper dwelling, he has kept in eternal chains under gloomy darkness until the judgment of the great day. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. Yet in like manner, these people also, relying on their dreams, defile the flesh, reject authority, and blaspheme the glorious ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people blaspheme all that they do, do not understand, and they are destroyed by all that they, like unreasoning animals, understand instinctively. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain and abandoned themselves for the sake of gain to Balaam's error and perished in Korah's rebellion. These are hidden reefs at your love feast, as they feast with you without fear, shepherds feeding themselves, waterless clouds swept along by the winds, fruitless trees in late autumn, twice dead, uprooted, wild waves of the sea casting up the foam of their own shame, wandering stars for whom the gloom of utter darkness has been reserved forever. It was also about these that Enoch, the seventh from Adam, prophesied, saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his holy ones to execute judgment on all and to convict all the ungodly of all their deeds of unrighteousness that they have committed in such an ungodly way and of all the harsh things that ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are grumblers, malcontents, following their own sinful desires. They are loudmouth boasters, showing favoritism to gain advantage. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their own ungodly passions. It is these who cause divisions, worldly people devoid of the Spirit, but you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit, keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Save others by snatching them out of the fire. To others, show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by the flesh. 
Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father, what a, what a great proclamation of your greatness. What a great proclamation uh, as we uh, were focusing in worship this morning about your goodness, but that also is a source of fear for those who disregard and disobey. We pray that you'd help us to understand this text and that we would remain faithful and that you would be glorified. So we pray that these words would be edifying to all who are here in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Bob. Good morning to everybody. Um, we just read 25 verses over here. Um, you know, it reminded me uh, of the a big Indian dish of, you know, it's called as the thali. So you have to have Indian cuisine, uh, but there are so many there are so many uh, kinds of dishes there. But if you want, if you have only one, 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 uh, one date or one time, one lunch to have it, how would you have it? So that that plate is made up of 25 to 30 compartments. You get a little of each, and you know I feel I'm, try, I'm trying to do something like that today, uh, this morning with the book of uh, the letter of Jude of 25 verses. You know, um, this past week I was checking out certain books at the DTS library, and um, as I was in the circulation desk uh, with all the books of Jude over there, uh, a person came to me and said, wow, so many books, uh, what are you planning to do? I said, uh, I'm, I'm preaching this Sunday. He said, okay, where, where are you preaching? I said, Community Bible Chapel, Richardson. Oh, okay. Um, how many people attend that, that, that place? I said, maybe, I'm not sure, maybe like, uh, you know, in, in, in the big Texas standards, it's a small kind of church, you know, like less than 100 or so. And he told me, um, hey, you know, I'll give you a tip. You know, you need to be very careful and very uh, sensitive, you know, that people may not get offended. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay, I said, okay, thank you. And, um, <laughs> and then I told, I told him that, you know what? I don't have a problem because I can always throw my culture card, you know? <laughs> I will say, hey, I'm not from your culture, so, you know, I'm just, I just said what I said, and if I'm offending you, I'm so sorry for that. So... Uh, this morning when I begin, I start with a disclaimer that, you know, uh, if any of my words make any kind of, you know, problems, please understand, I'm not from this culture. <laughs> um, well, uh, and, but one, one other important fact which came was, is that's exactly what the book of Jude is all about. I was just thinking, wow, that was a great thing, illustration, because Jude, without mincing any words, here is putting these things very clearly to his people. And um, so when I think about the book of Jude, uh, it's like, you know, Dallas Seminary has a very new chapel built right now. We have a, a very a, a big uh, a welcome center, and then inside we have the chapel. 
And in between that two big uh, things, there is this small prayer room which often gets unnoticed. And uh, when I look at Jude, it's something like that. You have the great Catholic epistles and then you have the great book of Revelation and then engulfed in between is the small but profound book of Jude, the letter of Jude, which has a great message for people today. Uh, it was uh, uh, Ralston Douglas who wrote a paper in Journal of New Testament Studies. He said that uh, the most neglected book in the New Testament is the book of Jude. You know, he writes that uh, its 25 verses are rarely heard or read in their entirety. Only its benediction may be familiar to an average churchgoer. Um, written somewhere between uh, AD 67 and AD 90, the, it was written by the brother of our Lord Jesus Christ, uh, Jude himself, the half-brother of Lord Jesus Christ. And therefore, it's mentioned as the epistle of Jude. But in his introduction, we don't find this particular thing over, over there. Uh, instead, so instead, what he mentions over there in the beginning is the brother of James. And that's how we get this whole idea uh, that, uh, you know, this is the Jude, the brother of our Lord. Um, if, you, if you are in a busy street in, in, in Mumbai, where I come from, uh, and you stand on, uh, on a busy street and call out, Sandeep, chances are that 25 people will come by. <laughs> and uh, I think that's, that's the very reason why uh, Jude also mentions, you know, kind of the brother of James. But it's quite interesting to see that he did not use uh, his physical, uh, you know, identity with Jesus Christ. Rather, he chose something else. And he mentioned that Jude, a servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James. And he did not try to pull his rank, you know. Rather, he just introduced himself as the servant of, of Jesus Christ. Um, you know, I come from uh, a, a, a community of Christians back in India. We're known as the St. Thomas Christians. And, uh, uh, and we, we boast too much on our uh, ancestry, saying that, it, if we were our forefathers were baptized directly by St. Thomas and so much of those kind of things. And I grew up in that kind of culture um, until I met my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when I was a college student. And I understood that uh, there is nothing of that sort to boast except the fact that I am a wretched sinner saved by the grace of God. Uh, Nothing else determines our eternal destiny. It's not our uh, ethnicity, not our uh, language, not what we, not how eloquent we are. What matters is, am I saved by the grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And uh, that's what Jude emphasizes here. He did not use, although he could have used, he did not use that kind of, uh, you know, thing to pull his uh, uh, you know, his, his authority there, he says, a servant of Jesus Christ. And uh, when I say this, I remember uh, a wonderful funeral tradition that, you know, uh, kind of uh, takes place in uh, this particular uh, place. In a it's a Capuchin church in Vienna, Austria. And um, 
It's called as, it's a funeral ceremony of the royal family usually, and it's called as the knocking ceremony. Uh, the last one was in July of 2011. Uh, the royal member Otto von Hasburg's coffin was carried. So they carry the, 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 the coffin of this royal member until the, the door of this particular chapel. And upon arrival at this chapel door, there is this, the MC of the funeral party, and the door is closed. And inside the door are the priests of that, of that particular church, and, um, and there is exchange of words. So there, there's an, this is called knocking ceremony because this door is locked, and uh, this particular MC of the ceremony, he knocks, uh, he knocks, it's the first time. And there comes the answer from inside, who goes there? And then the funeral party person responds that uh, Otto of Austria, once crown prince of Austria, Hungary, royal prince of Hungary and Bohemia, of Dalmatia, of Croatia, Slavonia, Duke of Tuscany and Krasov, and so on and so forth, all his titles. And the voice comes from inside, we do not know him. Again, the MC of the funeral party makes the another knock, second time, and then again, this uh, uh, voice from inside comes, who goes there? And there, he reads again few more titles, uh, Dr. Otto von Hasburg, President and Honorary President of the Pan-European Union, Member and Quantum President of the European Parliament, so on and so forth. And then this voice comes from inside again, we do not know him. And then there's the third knock. And this time when there's a knock, uh, again comes the voice, who goes here? And this time, the answer is this. Listen to this. Otto, a mortal and sinful man. And to that answer, the reply is inside is, then let him come in. Yes, the gates of heaven open to only one identity, sinner saved by the grace of God. Amen. Uh, this is a story of each of us brothers and sisters. Last two weeks in the opening message here, we were talking about the grace of God and I was so thrilled sitting there and listening to the stories of the people, of the men who came in front and were telling about how they were saved. What is the story of grace? And that is the beauty of salvation. And that's what Jude was eager to write upon. And that's what he says that uh, his purpose. Beloved, I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation. However, then there is a twist. And then he says that, but I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the uh, to the same. So he changes his purpose in between. Uh, Jude mentions that he originally wanted to write about salvation and uh, maybe an urgent crisis has come up in that particular church for which he has to now write about this particular perversion of grace. So we all are saved by purely grace of God. We come as sinners, I, to confess to you, I, I feel I'm the least qualified to stand over here, but it's purely by the grace of God. That's the story of each one of us. 
purely saved by the grace of God. We come as sinners. God is the one who clothes us with his righteousness and we have access to him. Otherwise, we do not have access. And at this point of time, so that's the beauty of salvation. But the, the, the devil always tries to pervert everything beautiful that God created from the time we see in the creation. He cannot create anything new. He, can, he cannot make anything new. So what he does is he perverts. So, he, so there is a perversion of grace that takes place. And that's what Jude is wanting to write over here um, and, and wanting to contend for the faith. And that's the purpose, to contend for the faith. Now, uh, the purpose here we clearly see is to contend, that's in verse 3, to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered uh, to the saints. Uh, the NET Bible very nicely puts it, contend earnestly, contend earnestly. It's an intensive form of, 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 of struggling, of, you know, fighting. It's, it's, it is... The imagery is something like when athletes or the wrestlers, you know, they are, they are they, when, when the one, one wrestler and his opponent is, is contending against each other, that's the word. The, the English word we get is, is a kind of the word of agony, the agonize. So Jude uses this term for the theological and moral conflict between true believers and false teachers. The purpose we see over here is that... Uh, the first thing we need to see is content for the faith. So we saw in this particular purpose, what, what do we understand content? But what, do, what are we contending? We're contending for the faith. The purpose of fighting and struggling in this battle is for the faith. Uh, the faith here does not refer to uh, our personal uh, you know, subjective faith. It's, it doesn't refer to that. But here the faith repre represents the entirety of the Christian doctrine, the, the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints, that the saving faith, the content of that, the, the doctrine, the central doctrine, defending the faith. So according to Jude, defending the faith is a continuous duty of the saints, of the church. Um, many have sacrificed their lives for this particular faith, which today, we have it so easily around us. In the last 2,000 years of the church history, many people have laid down their lives for this faith. The third thing which we see is over here is, it says, once for all. The first one was contending. The second one, what is contending? For the faith. The third thing over here, what we see is, once for all. Once for all delivered, through Jesus Christ. This is not talking about, again, not talking about the believer's subjective faith, but the objective faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Say, this faith was delivered once for all. You know, it's, it's not just once. It was delivered once for all. And which means that the Christian faith cannot be added to, cannot be subtracted to, cannot be molded to suit every generation's worldview or culture. This is very important over here. We, this faith is already delivered. It's done. We do, we do not have the freedom to change it 
to suit our culture, to suit some culture. No. What we are trying, I understand, we make it relevant to the culture, but don't change it to suit your culture. Uh, the doctrines are already settled. And that's what Jude was telling over here. And finally, what he was saying is, in this purpose was, the faith was, the word is delivered. This faith was delivered, not manufactured. Delivered. It was deposited, given by Jesus Christ to his apostles, through his apostles, and there is no new revelation given now. Making it clear, there is no new revelation that is coming. You know, there is this word, this doctrine, the Christian doctrine is settled once for all. Um, every generation, every culture can apply these, these doctrines to their, their to, to suit that culture, to make it relevant to them. But uh, you cannot, you, you do not have the freedom to change it. It was delivered. It was delivered. Um, I'm, I'm putting this emphasis more and more because of the, of the modern uh, missiological, you know, uh, we, we have a lot of models which kind of bring into some kind of syncretism, Christian syncretism, uh, you know, where uh, you, wanted to, you wanted to make relevant and so you say that, well, Jesus, listen, Jesus is the Lord for every culture, for, for everybody. He is not merely a, a teacher or a guru or, or, or just a prophet. A teacher, guru and prophet can die, but only the Lord is resurrected. And that, we need to be very clear about that, this, about the dangers of syncretism that, that is happening today amidst us. We are not very far from it. Uh, you know, I remember, when I, when I say this, I remember in 1947, when India got independence, the leaders of India, they said that, well, we want to be, you know, what we would do is that we will have a mixed economy, which means we would not take, we will not be capitalist, neither we will be socialist. We will be a mixed economy. We will take the best of capitalism and we will take the best of socialism and then we will go forward, syncretism. What ended up was they took the worst of capitalism and the worst of socialism. <laughs> They're nowhere. Until 1991, we had to open up the economy. So that's the purpose of, purpose of Jude, to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. Now, uh, why should we contend the faith? Why should we contend the faith? It is delivered to the saints as a, uh, you know, uh, uh, yeah, sorry, uh, let me just go back to the last one. It was delivered and it was delivered to the saints. Again, very important. To the saints. Uh, not one denomination or not, not any seminary. It is delivered to the saints. The people who believe in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Yes, then the next verse he goes on saying, why should we content the faith? The answer also he mentions over there is certain persons have crept in unnoticed. And like the way again the Net Bible puts it, it say, they say that they have secretly slipped among you. You know, they have got inside the system and they are rotting it. You know, I, I remember a few, few months back we had to do a pest control at our house. 
Uh, we don't know how this pest got in. <laughs> we did not invite them, certainly not. Uh, but I remember maybe in the beginning when we saw one or two, we might have just ignored it. And uh, it grew more and more to a situation that we had to be out and the pests are in the house. <laughs> and that's, 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 what we, that's what he's saying. Certain persons have crept in unnoticed. And, and what do they do? They pervert the grace. There are two things what they do very clearly which is mentioned here in the next verse 4. They pervert the grace of God. They deny our Master and Lord Jesus Christ. Two things, the perversion of grace. And this is written in the first century. Think about it. We are living the same times. Perversion of grace of God. You know, we, when we look at these two dangers the church is facing, it's very true. People say that, Hey, God is so gracious that he loves us as we are and so we don't need to change. And they continue in the perversion, saying that God loves everybody. And then the, the, the others who say that, well, uh, you know, God is so loving and so, so wide open. So, you know, Jesus is not the only way to salvation. There are many ways to come to God. And that's again the perversion. So Jude is writing to unmask these misleading teachers and to encourage believers to stand in, 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 in the purpose of writing this, this particular letter. Then, uh, the next verse is used the examples of perversion and denial of the Lord. Well, how, how do they do that? And we see from verse 5 to verse 11 in the book of Jude, he gives these examples. He takes these examples from the Old Testament history. Uh, he takes it from the events, Old Testament events. He takes Israel's wilderness, unruly angels. Uh, we see Sodom and Gomorrah. We just read that. And then he takes certain Old Testament people like Cain, Balaam, Korah. And not only that, he also takes something from the Jewish tradition, uh, which is uh, you know, this is an extra biblical uh, reference which he's putting where he puts about devil and archangel Michael's contention. So, in all these examples, in all of these events, there is one thing, one single thing that is common. You know what is that? It's the sin of rebellion. In all of these, we have the sin of rebellion as a common theme that flows across. Uh, what is the sin of rebellion? Rebellion is opposition to authority. God given authority. God has made a particular order and we just want to remove it off. We just want to remove it off. A very, I don't need to elaborate on this. We all know about it. You know, God created human beings. God created humans. Male and female, he created them. Male and female. For Adam, he made Eve, not Steve, right? Adam and Eve, male and female. But when they argue that there are 72 genders and more and more developing, that is clear rebellion against what God has clearly ordered. Now, the other day I was seeing this particular, um, this may be very common in campuses, right? 
He says that there are more than two genders. So I just uh, went to Amazon.com and just tried to see this particular thing. Uh, wow. And then, then but, but my eyes went something somewhere else. You know what? What's that? But only male or female. There are 72 <laughs> genders. But they want to sell you, but there's only two options, male or female. That's where, that is where your philosophy and your reality collides. You can't, you can't play with, you cannot play with God. Um, when I say this, I, I want to also be very sensitive here and tell that we are not called in any way to be homophobic. And I know that there are Christians who are irrationally having hatred towards people who are homosexuals. And that's, that's, I condemn that as equally as, uh, as I condemn uh, uh, homosexuality by itself. Uh, when Jude mentions about rebellious people, he is, he is talking about the people who justify the sin of, of these kind of sins, what God had made. And I understand that there are people who are struggling, who understand it's a sin and want to tell that we love you. We love you. We love, it's a sin. Like any other sin, it's a sin. But just because it is, uh, because in the modern academia, the new things they're coming up with, saying that, oh, they are just, we are just born with that particular thing, so that's right. No, that's not right. Does, if, if, if I am born with a particular, uh, you know, uh, thing, that how does that make it right? If I'm, you know, I, I'm born with maybe, maybe stealing. Can I, can, I, can I stand in the court of law before the judge and say that I am born with the tendency to shoplift every time? Please forgive me. No, the court of law will not accept it. Um, it is sad to think that today any philosophy can be justified. You can always bring someone from the academia from somewhere to justify any position which you hold. Um, it was G.K. Chesterton who said that uh, don't ever take a fence down until you know the reason it was up there. Don't ever take a fence down until you know the reason it was up there. So, uh, and then he gives his imagery. He gives his imagery about these people. Who are these people? He says they are like hidden reefs. Uh, they are like hidden rocks that cause, cause shipwreck. In the early church, they had the they had this um, uh, practice of having communal meal along with the church services for fellowship. And uh, certain people, and what they did was, what they did was that they used to form groups and they used to make, the influential people would come together and have, and that kind of dis discrimination would used to take place. And uh, because of that, they abused it. And they used it for their own benefit. So these are hidden reefs, that's what it says. They are like water... Another thing, they are like waterless clouds. Uh, that's the another imagery over there. We see that they are like trees in late autumn, which is like uh, they are without fruit, doubly dead and uprooted. It's really lifeless. The condition of these people are lifeless, fruitless and barren. These are the ones who are teaching uh, and teaching and justifying the sin. 
It's the, he, the another imagery he gives is they are like wild waves of the sea, untamed. They brag loudly about themselves, flatter. They are like wandering stars. They are like wandering stars. Again, in all of these, one thing that is common theme is that they are hypocrites. That's what it is. They show something else, but they are not what they are because they want to clearly deny the Lord Jesus Christ because with, by taking, by believing in the Lord Jesus Christ, by putting him supreme, you cannot take away the, 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 the order which he has created. They are the one who pervert this grace, telling that everything and anything is okay. Um, I remember um, a few years back now, I had been to, uh, you know, we, we, me and my friend, we were traveling in a, in a very rural kind of place in, uh, back in India, and, uh, and by, the, by the noon time, we were very hungry, and, and we were trying to search for a, for a, you know, a, hot, uh, a restaurant nearby to, to have food, and there was nothing there, and we were just traveling and seeing where we can see, and then we saw a board, and it was there in the board, it was written, meals ready. Me, I, I don't know if, you know, that's a very common kind of signboard in India. Meals ready. We jumped and stopped, went inside. And so, as soon as we went inside, we found something else. It was, it's not smelling of food. There's some, something else. And, and we said, hey, uh, what do you have? Um, sorry? I said, like, meals ready? What kind of meals you have? Um, sorry, sir, you are mistaken. We are... Uh, 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 you know, a board painting company. We, we paint boards and that board was kept out to, you know, to make it dry. That's how, this is the imagery which Jude is giving about them. Waterless clouds, hidden reefs, um, lifeless trees. And their judgment and their character is imminent. Their judgment and their is, is imminent. That's what we see in verse 13 to 16 to execute judgment on all. We see the reality of hell. They, we see the, they, the time is coming when the Lord will convict the ungodly because of their characters. At this point, I, I think it's also good if we can pause for a moment you know, and look back at our own lives. Is there anything? Is there anything in my life that I am rebelling? If there is a sin in my life, there is always a solution, the cross of Jesus Christ. He embraces us as you are. But the sin of rebellion is justifying that particular sin. And this judgment is for those who justify that particular sin. If the Lord himself came for sinners. The Lord said, I, I come for sinners, right? He, I, don't, I don't come for the righteous. I come for the And scores of sinners, sinful people, tax collectors and Pharisees and prostitutes and everybody, they were in the company of Jesus. Yes. When we look at our own lives, 
we are sinners saved by grace lord embraces everybody who is a sinner there is no sin in this world that cannot be forgiven but is there any sin which we are justifying and if that is it's a time to repent of it and not rebel against it and then in the last part verse 17 to 23 he is explaining how do we contend the faith and you know if till now you have not listened anything i would say here take this five things there are five imperatives five commands in verses 17 to verse 23 that he jude is telling how we can contend our faith but you must remember beloved the first one is in verse 17 you must remember beloved the predictions of the apostles of our lord jesus christ you must remember that is the first that is the first command over there you know uh, this particular board uh, is it's a sign in in auschwitz near museum in auschwitz germany says that those who do not remember the past are condemned to repeat it this is exactly what jude was doing you see his whole episode he took all the events he pulled out certain people he is putting it in front of us remember go back see you know remind get reminded again and again that's why we we never graduate from studying the scripture right you know next year god willingly i may graduate from dallas seminary what does that mean oh done i'll take the bible and put it inside no um we never graduate from doing that and so that's what you must remember time and again that's what you must recall back that that's the first thing that's the best way to contend the faith remembering you know david helm says that remembering history is one of god's best remedies in awakening his church to the task of contending for the faith the next imperative is in uh verse 20 and 21 he says that but you beloved building yourselves up in the most holy faith and praying in the holy spirit keep yourselves in the love of god waiting for the mercy of our lord jesus christ that leads to eternal life the command over here is keep yourselves in the love of god that's the second way in which we can contend the faith by keeping ourselves in the love of god but how do we do that what is it you know there are three participants here saying how we can do this particular thing says building praying and waiting one thing is again common in all of this is this that all these three is to be done in the context of a community in the body of believers and the the now, now, tom is taking a series on one on the spiritual gifts that's what we are learning right one body several members Now we cannot do it alone building together we, we 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 cannot be an individualistic christian no the lord saved us of course individually saved us but when he saved us individually he put us together in one body of christ and that's why we are to be together by keeping yourselves in the love of love of god the third command over here is how to contend the faith is it's mentioned have mercy on those who doubt 
And the command here given is, have mercy. We are not to shun people, but show compassion towards them. You know, some of us come from a very legalistic background, uh, but they think that, you know, God is like an old man, you know, with a stick in his hand, just waiting for you to sin so that he can hit you immediately. <laughs> God is a gracious God, you know. Have mercy on those who doubt. You know, people, young people especially, you know, among us. There are questions and let those questions come. Let's not, let's not get, you know, uh, immediately judgmental kind of thing towards them. Have mercy on those who doubt. The fourth uh, command given over here is in verse 23, the first part of it says that save others by snatching them out of fire. And the command is save others. There may be, uh, there may be others who have gone beyond that doubt. They are gone far ahead in the road of false teaching. And they may be ignorant. And they are in the danger of eternal hell. All those who are not, in fact, all those who are not in the Lord Jesus Christ come in this category. We are called to save others. You know, it's our responsibility. I, I salute the frontline workers who served day and night tirelessly during this pandemic. Uh, saving people from dying. But are we also trying to, are we also looking at our own selves as those frontline workers saving people from eternal death? Think about it. Uh, very early when I came to know the Lord in my college days, I read the biography of C.T. Studd. C.T. Studd was a, a, you know, a, a cricketer of England. Cricket, by the way, is a game we play in, you know, not only the bird, um, in India, and, you know, I grew up playing that. And I, he was a very successful cricketer. Uh, in the top of his career, he gave that up uh, to become a missionary. And, and he wrote down, these were his words, some wish to live within the sound of a chapel bell. I want to run a rescue shop within the yard of hell. And that's what uh, I see. You know, I, I don't know if you have seen this. Mo most of you might have seen this particular, a classic movie, uh, uh, you know, Schindler's List. And you remember the last scene, the climax scene when uh, he is, the war is over and Schindler is about to leave. And then uh, the, 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 the Jewish people of his factory, they come and give him that ring which, on which it is uh, engraved one who saves the lives of, of one saves the, saves the life's entirety. And then Schindler is not satisfied. He says, no, I could have done more. I could have done more. He says that, see this car? I could have, I could have sold this and got 10 more lives. He, so, he looks at his, uh, his label here and says that, oh, I could have sold this and two more people. He valued that kind of thing. You know, That's, that's exactly what he is Jude is talking about here is that image is saving others. You know, when I look at people, when we look at people around us, uh, if we just look one step beyond that, where is their eternity? Should that change how we live and how we involve with those people? And the final one is, the fifth one is 
to show mercy with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. And that's the last command. It's, it's similar to the, the third command, to the third imperative, show mercy. There it was, show, it's the same thing, the show mercy, but here it's with a different dative thing. What does it say here? With a different dative, you know, with fear, hating even the garment stained by flesh. All those of us who are involved in this great ministry of saving people, we also need to be safeguarded. It will be foolish for us to think that we are immune from any kind of temptations and that we will not fall. And that's why Paul, uh, Jude uh, wants to remind us over there that be careful. Be careful. You know, I don't need to tell how many well-intended ministers of gospel have fallen into sin they never thought they would ever land into. And so here he says, show mercy with fear. So we saw, uh, what are we taking away from here? These five things. Let's pray that the Lord will help us to, you know, to use these five things. You must remember, keep yourselves in the love of God. Have mercy on those who doubt. Save others from the fire. Show mercy with fear. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Help us to always remember your words that were handed down to us through your apostles once for all. Help us to keep ourselves in your love by building ourselves up, by praying in Holy Spirit and by waiting on you. Help us to have mercy on those who doubt. We thank you for the privilege given us Lord, to save others, but in doing so, guard our ministry, lest we ourselves may fall. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy to the one and only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion, and authority before all time now and forever. Amen.